Hi again, and welcome back to The Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and every Friday, I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. So we all know, or even love dearly, someone who complains about everything. They complain about their partner, the weather, their boss, their weight, their internet speed, that the only thing on the menu at their local Indian restaurant is Indian food, or that this portobello sandwich has mushrooms on it. So this week, I request from an enterprising listener who wrote and asked how she could stop complaining so much, we'll tackle three myths about complaining and four ways you can get a grip on your griping. Now, whether you call it venting, whining, or bellyaching, let's start out with three myths about complaining. Complaining myth number one, complaining makes me feel better. So there is an idea that venting works like a steam valve, that releasing some pent-up pressure is necessary to prevent a later explosion. But that's not actually how it works. Venting, rather than lessening negative emotion, instead fuels it. In study after study, when people are asked to release negative emotion by punching pillows, confronting the person who made them feel bad, or even by playing tackle football, far from diffusing their anger, they instead amplify it. Why? Well, part of the problem is repetition. Complaining replays the event in your mind, and thinking about events where you got hurt, humiliated, or disrespected, even in your imagination, elicits negative feelings almost as strong as if the event were happening in real life. Next, the venting does nothing to solve the problem. It lays bare the emotion, but stops there. Now, we'll talk more about how to take this further in tip number four. But first, complaining myth number two. Complaining gets me support from those I love. All right, have you ever put Debbie Downer at the top of your dinner party invite list? Me neither, even if I'm sympathetic to her plight. Now, it's intuitive that complaining is annoying, but exactly why complaining is so noxious is actually hard for scientists to explain. One idea is that complaining is a toxic mix of self-focus, low mood, and dissatisfaction, all of which can be contagious. Similar to how being around someone depressed can be depressing, listening to a complainer is a cognitive burden that can make us all feel like negative, dissatisfied navel gazers. So it's a balance. It's important to seek support when you're feeling low, but constant complaining, rather than eliciting support, can make those on the receiving end feel worse and tax their patience to boot. Okay, for complaining myth number three, while researching this week's episode, I came across a number of other complaining is bad for you internet articles, all of which warned against complaining for a very different reason. Which brings us to complaining myth number three. Complaining rewires my brain. All right, click around on the interweb and you'll find claims that complaining shrinks your hippocampus or otherwise rewires your brain until every one of your thoughts is a negative critique. This is not true. While it is true that extremely negative events like prolonged childhood physical or sexual abuse can have an effect on brain structures like the hippocampus, a bitch fest about your boss at the bar with your coworkers, or listening to your friends complain about their Tinder dates is not going to shrivel your brain, even if it shrivels your patience. 
Okay, so even if you don't have to worry that sending back your undercooked burger is going to shrink your brain, do the downsides of complaining mean you should suck it up, buttercup? Not necessarily. Sometimes complaining is vital. Indeed, a bunch of whiners acting together with purpose has been the driver of most real and lasting change in the world. Think civil rights, women's suffrage, the list goes on. It's complaining without action that's ineffective. So how do we take action? Well, if, like our listener, we're trying to break the habit of complaining, any in-the-moment action that directly opposes anger can help diffuse your grumblings. For instance, complaining alternative number one. Try another kind of venting. Breathe. Your grandma's advice about taking a deep breath and counting to 10 was right on. A negative emotion like anger, annoyance, or resentment makes you feel coiled like a spring. But slow breathing is incompatible with tension, stress, and, as luck would have it, mindless complaining. Complaining alternative number two is to try the opposite of grumbling, gratitude. Being thankful is directly opposed to complaining. In a study out of the University of Calgary, study participants were asked to contemplate what they were grateful for twice a week for four weeks. Specifically, participants were asked to, quote, try to experience and maintain the sincere, heartfelt feelings of gratitude associated with whatever they were thinking of. Gratitude for a working umbrella, the kindness of a good friend, indoor plumbing, whatever. So what happened? Those who were asked to be grateful experienced less negative emotion over that month than the study's other group, which was simply asked to reflect on memorable events in their life. Okay, but what about when complaining is necessary? Well, then we try complaining alternative number three, complain for a change. As a former boss once said to me, don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a problem and a potential solution. In other words, if you must complain, make it effective by thinking about what positive action you want as a result of the complaint. So complain to someone who can help, not just an innocent bystander. Rather than telling everyone in the office that your email is slow, tell the IT guy. Rather than leaving a stinging one-star Yelp review, tell the restaurant you received the wrong takeout order and then give them a chance to make it right. By identifying a goal, we can improve our situation instead of just commenting on it. And improving our situation makes us more confident in our own abilities and gives us more control over our life. And that, that's called empowerment. And finally, complaining alternative number four. Express your emotions, but don't stop there. When there's not a willing ear to complain to, there's always a willing page. Venting frustrations in a journal is classic advice, but it turns out there's another step. So a study out of the University of Iowa divided participants who were bothered by a past trauma or other stressor into three groups. One group was asked to write twice a week for a month about their deepest emotions about the stressor. But another group was asked to go further. They were told to write about their deepest emotions, but also how they were trying to understand it, make sense of it, and deal with it. A third group, the control group, was asked to keep a journal of traumatic events from the daily news and stick to the facts as much as possible. So what happened? Well, the group that simply vented their emotions reported significantly more physical symptoms of illness, like fevers, sore throats, coughing, or congestion, over their month of journaling than either of the other two groups. In other words, complaining about what and whom makes you sick 
may literally make you sick. By contrast, the group that not only vented their emotions, but also tried to give sense and meaning to their situations, reported something called positive growth, which is the perceived benefits of coping with a personal challenge. In other words, they wrote about how what didn't kill them made them stronger, whether in terms of personal strength, spiritual development, or a greater appreciation for life. Okay, why does going this extra mile work? Well, it's thought that creating meaning from adversity not only helps you feel better, but also gives you a sense of control over whatever life throws at you. So to sum up, people complain for all sorts of reasons, to get attention, to garner sympathy, even to make conversation. At its most dangerous, people complain to get others to do something for them. It's a way to wield power and feel special. But complaining without positive action isn't good for anyone. So complain with a purpose and make sense and meaning of what happened. Your mood and everyone around you will be glad you did. This March, QDT is partnering with National Public Radio and hundreds of other sources of great podcasts to help you share your love of podcasts with the most important people in your life. Share your favorite podcast on social media and include the hashtag TRYPOD, that's T-R-Y-P-O-D, to spread the word about shows you love. Introduce someone you love to a podcast you love. And the result, a match made in podcast heaven. So thank you so much for listening and letting this show be a part of your life. Never miss a thing when you sign up for the newsletter at quickanddirtytips.com newsletters or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also listen on Spotify, follow on Twitter, or like on Facebook, where there are always links to episodes no longer available on iTunes. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and The Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. I will see you all next week for a happier, healthier mind. Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly, packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches Podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches Podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast.com because healing begins the first time you listen.